0: Thanks. Good evening. What a great crowd. It's good. It's good to be in the Chippewa Valley. Thanks. It is great to be back in town. I was just on campus the other day. Yes, there are some conservatives on campus. Over at UW Claire. I'm going to be in, in about a week over at the Chippewa Valley Technical College. I was in at the end of last week at Wind, and so it's great to be in the Chippewa Valley. But I was hoping I could bring a little bit warmer weather because you see, I was telling my friend Ted Cruz that there are many great things in the Chippewa Valley, but not the least of which, when it gets warm, is Summer Shanty from Line and Googles. It is great to see you all. How about Vicky McKenna? She's pretty dynamic, huh? I should kid Vicky. my, my dad was born in Rockford, and he lives in Wisconsin too, so that's all right. Uh, I was a kid, my mom and dad were born just over the state line. My, my mom was actually born on a farm, raised on a farm that didn't have indoor plumbing until she went off to junior high school. So the only skeleton in my closet is my mom. My mom is a Cubs fan. But she's not a Bears fan, so that's all right. Uh, she's not a Bears fan. Uh, but uh, yeah, so she can relate to some of the stories over the years I hear from friends of mine further northwest who are, who are Vikings fans as well about being in and out. Yeah, you know, There's probably a few Vikings here. I won't go too far down the way. But, uh, but uh, I, I love coming to this area. You guys have been so good to us throughout the years. It's been so good to come back over and over again. I look around this room and I think so many of you helped us, not me. Not just me, but me and Tonette and our family, certainly when we we're dealing with the protests. but for all the great lawmakers who are here who've been a part of the battle over the past five, well, really six years when we started in 2010, and thinking about how you helped take a state that was controlled entirely by Democrats entirely by democrats before november 2nd 2010 we changed all that we went from a state before then that had lost 133,000 jobs in the four years before we took office a state where the unemployment rate at the beginning of 2010 remember that was 9.2 percent and you sent a message you helped us send that message after that november 2010 election and then we did something amazing in politics not just here in wisconsin but across the country We went down to Madison, and we did what we said we were going to do, and the state is better because of it. We actually did it. We did it. And think about it. And they got so upset that we kept our word. Some of the folks down in the the Capitol decided they'd try and recall me and a bunch of other lawmakers, and you helped us in 2011 and 2012 and then you helped us get re-elected, but it wasn't just me. In each of those elections, you helped add more Republicans in the state legislature, even in a blue state like Wisconsin. You know why? Because conservative principles actually work. They actually work. They work here in Wisconsin, and it's about time we showed them in Washington how we can make them work for the entire country. <laughs> now, in the past, I get a kick out of the, what the Democrats have said and in late even some folks who've come in in the state from elsewhere who repeated those same talking points without looking at the facts, and the facts are simple. The economy's better, our finances are better, our schools are better, our state is better. Let me give you a couple examples. Now, I'm proud to say that Wisconsin, last report, jobs report just showed that last the last report that came out showed it's a, it's a month behind, so it shows that in January, we had the sixth highest state in the country in terms of the total percentage of people in the workforce. <laughs> There are more people working in Wisconsin today than at just about any time in our state's history. And we're gonna continue on that trend, why? Because we got government out of the way so that those of you who create jobs can start putting people to work again. And we not only have a better economy, we actually have better finances too. Remember we came in, we inherited a $3.6 billion budget deficit. Every year, Republicans have been in charge of state government since. We've had a budget surplus. We will have another budget surplus this year, and we have the largest rainy day fund we've ever had in state history, and yet we've still been able to cut income and property taxes today are lower now than they were five years ago, and we froze tuition at our University of Wisconsin campuses four years in a row. And on top of all that, we made government work better. Not only in state government, but the local level. Because you see, sometimes people forget nationally what we did was simple. Here in Wisconsin, we took the power out of the hands of the big government special interest and put it firmly into the hands of the hardworking taxpayers and the people we elect to run our schools and our local governments all across the state. And we're better because of it. In fact, our schools now have the second-highest ACT scores in the country. Last year, we had the third-highest graduation rate of any state in the country. We've shown that reforms work if you take the power out of the hands of the few and put it into the hands of the many. And we've done that in a state that hadn't gone Republican for president since 1984. Look at some of these young people here. That was back when I was still in school as well. But it's about time we turn that trend around, not only in presidential politics in the state, but more importantly, we turn the trend around from where this nation's gone over the last seven years. Because I look at these young people and I think about my sons, Matt and Alex, and Alex, by the way, is with me here tonight, along with Tonette, who's still in the back, talking with some folks. But I think about Matt and Alex, and my nieces, Isabella, and Eva, and all the others all the other sons and daughters, grandsons and granddaughters, nieces and nephews like them, and I think it is about time we showed the rest of the nation what it means to think more about the next generation than just about the next election, right? And so in a minute, I'm gonna bring somebody up, but I wanna tell you why I'm supporting Ted Cruz to be the next president of the United States. You see, for me, it wasn't a default. It's not because who am I against, it's who I'm for that matters. And I'm for Ted Cruz for three simple reasons. I got three simple reasons why I'm for Ted Cruz. Three simple reasons, although it doesn't hurt that we're both sons of preachers. I met his dad the other day, it made me laugh, it made me think just like my dad too. There's, his, Ted said, there's, there's no turning it down. My dad's the same way. Once he gets talking, he is on. And, uh, and I thought about that, and growing up in the 80s, we were talking on the bus ride on the way over here from Wausau, thinking about coming of age under Ronald Reagan. We were about the same age as some of the kids here right now. He was our president. He wasn't just some political figure, he was our president. But I want to tell you more than just that personal connection for me, three simple reasons why I'm supporting Ted Cruz to be our next president. First off, he is a constitutional conservative. You might say, why, why is that important? Well, more than just the phrase, it's important because our founders nearly 240 years ago, understood that power should not be concentrated in Washington, it should be sent out to the states and more importantly, to the people. It's about time we had a president who understood the Constitution and sent the power back to the people of this great state. Secondly, something we can all appreciate here in Wisconsin I admire someone who's willing to take on the big government special interest, no matter what the cost. That's Ted Cruz. Yeah. A lot of folks in Washington were surprised a few years ago when he came in the Senate because he ran as a conservative and then he showed up and acted like a conservative in our nation's capital. (laughs) Wouldn't it be nice to have a president who actually followed through on his word and took on the big government special interest and put the power back in the hands of the hardworking people of America? And the third reason is simple. Pass this one on to anybody you know who might be up in the air. Because philosophically and on policy, there are two great reasons I just gave you. But if anybody else has any other doubt, I wanna give you one last reason, a third reason that's a practical reason. And that is if you look at all the candidates in the field that are left, there's only one candidate who can both win the nomination and win in November. We need a candidate who can win the 1,237 votes required, the delegates required at the convention, bring our party together in Cleveland at the national convention, and then take on the real opponent in this race, Hillary Clinton and win in November, and that candidate is Ted Cruz. And so to all of you here and anybody else watching, I'm asking for all, no, it's not about somebody else, it's about who we're for, and the right candidate for this state on Tuesday, and the right candidate for this nation going forward is someone that we can have a faith in to move this country in the right direction, to take the power from Washington and move it back to the people of this great country. On Tuesday, I'm asking for your vote for Ted Cruz. Let's give a warm Wisconsin welcome to Ted Cruz, Heidi Cruz, and their family.
1: God bless the great state of Wisconsin. I am so proud to be here with so many patriots, so many lovers of liberty. Let me say to Vicki McKenna, Vicki, thank you for being a strong voice for freedom each and every day. You know, one of the amazing things about Wisconsin is the activists here, y'all are battle-hardened. You've been through the fights over and over and over again. Your talk radio hosts are smart and engaged and willing to stand up and speak the truth. And I'm so proud to be with my friend, Senator Mike Lee. Mike is smart. He's principled. He loves the Constitution. You know, back in the fall of 2013, when I stood on the Senate floor for 21 hours filibustering Obamacare, Mike Lee stood on the Senate floor with me for all 21 hours throughout the night fighting the fight for our freedom. In the middle of the night, Mike stood up to spell my voice for a little bit and he engaged in an impromptu lecture for 45 minutes on the case of Wickard against Philborn. A Supreme Court decision dealing with controls on, the, on selling amounts of wheat. It was the most learned, academic, he didn't have a note, he didn't have a nothing, he just stood up off the top of his head and started talking. And I'll tell you, Mike is the most serious constitutional scholar to serve in the Senate since the days of Daniel Webster. And i got to say, I think Mike Lee would look awfully good in a robe. <laughs> and how about Carly? Isn't Carly fantastic? I've been now barnstorming all over the country with Carly. She is someone who rose from being a secretary to CEO of the largest technology company in the world. And let me tell you something, Carly terrifies Hillary Clinton. I can just picture Hillary thinking about Carly tossing and turning and tossing and turning in her jail cell. And I gotta say, I'm so proud to be here tonight with Wisconsin's own Governor Skywalker. Let me tell you, your governor is a rock star. I'll actually out him. I shouldn't do this, but he shared that he and Tannette met at karaoke night. <laughs> so he may be quite literally a rock star. The next thing you know, you may get some long hair and headbanger coming out. <laughs> but let me tell you, when Governor Walker stood up against the union bosses of the public employee unions, yeah. and an epic battle ensued, A nasty, ugly battle with threats and anger and hatred and vicious attacks. Scott Walker didn't blink. And millions of men and women across the state of Wisconsin stood shoulder to shoulder with Governor Scott Walker. And when y'all won that battle together, it inspired millions of us all across the country. It inspired me. It showed what can happen when we the people stand together against the special interests that are bankrupt in our country. And we need that same fearless, principled commitment to fighting for the hard-working men and women of this country against the special interest. We need that same commitment in Washington, D.C. All of us are here tonight because our country's in crisis. Because we're bankrupting our kids and grandkids because our constitutional rights are under assault. And because America has receded from leadership in the world and it has made the world a much more dangerous place. And yet I am here tonight with a word of hope and a word of encouragement. All across Wisconsin, all across this country, people are waking up and help is on the way. This election is gonna come down to three key issues, jobs, freedom, and security. Let's start with jobs. I wanna take a minute and talk to all the single moms who are here, who are working two and three part-time jobs, who've seen your hours forcibly reduced to 28, 29 hours a week because Obamacare kicks in at 30 hours. I want to talk to all the truck drivers, all the plumbers and machinists, all the steel workers and union members, the men and women with calluses on your hands, the cable guys (laughs) who've seen wages stagnating year after year after year. Cost of living keeps going up, and yet somehow the paycheck doesn't seem to keep pace. I want to talk to all the young people. Coming out of school, student loans up to your eyeballs. Scared, am I going to get a job? What does the future hold for me? (laughs) Let me say, the men and women of Wisconsin demonstrate, I hope, the gift of prophecy. But the media tells us this is the new normal. This is as good as it gets. Well, let me tell you, that is a complete and utter lie. You know, it's easy to talk about making America great again. You could even paint, print that on a baseball cap. But the real question is, do you understand the principles and values that made America great in the first place? The heart of our economy isn't Washington, D.C. The heart of our economy is small businesses all across the United States of America. And if you want to unleash jobs again, you simply take the boot of the federal government off the back of the necks of small businesses. If I'm elected president, we will repeal every word of Obamacare. It's the biggest job killer in America and in its place, we're gonna pass common sense care reform that makes health insurance personal and portable and affordable and keeps government from getting in between us and our doctors. And we're gonna pass a simple flat tax. that lets every American fill out our taxes on a postcard. And when we do that, we should abolish the IRS. We're gonna rein in the EPA and the federal regulators who have descended like locusts on small businesses, killing jobs all across this country. And we're going to stop amnesty and secure the borders and end sanctuary cities and end welfare benefits for those here illegally. And let me tell you what's gonna happen when we do all of that. We're gonna see millions upon millions of new high-paying jobs, jobs coming back to America, back from China, back from Mexico. We're gonna see manufacturing jobs coming back to Wisconsin. We're gonna see wages rising for Americans across this country. We're gonna see young people coming out of school with two, three, four, five job offers. we'll see mourning in America again. The second critical issue at stake in this election is freedom. You know, just a few weeks ago, the passing of Justice Scalia underscored the stakes of this election. It is not just one, but two branches of government that hang in the balance. We are one liberal justice away from a radical five justice left-wing majority, the likes of which this country's never seen. We are one justice away from the Supreme Court stripping religious liberty away from millions of Americans. We are one justice away from the Supreme Court effectively erasing the Second Amendment from the Bill of Rights. We are one justice away from the Supreme Court making us subject to the authority of the world court and the United Nations and international law and giving up U.S. sovereignty. Now, you know, a couple of debates ago, we got asked a question about religious liberty in the Supreme Court. And Donald Trump turned to me and he said, Ted, I've known a lot more politicians than you have. Well, in that, he's clearly correct. (laughs) Donald has been supporting liberal democratic politicians for 40 years. I have no experience in that. But Donald continued, he said, Ted, when it comes to the Supreme Court, when it comes to religious liberty, you gotta learn to compromise. You gotta learn to cut deals with Democrats and go along to get along. Well, let me be very, very clear. Well said. Raise them up right. Let me be very, very clear to the men and women of Wisconsin. I will not compromise away your religious liberty. And I will not compromise away your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. The third critical issue in this election is security. For seven years, we've seen a president who abandons our friends and allies and who shows weakness and appeasement to our enemies. You know, again, two debates ago, Donald Trump said if he were president, he would be neutral between Israel and the Palestinians. Well, let me be very clear. As president, I will not be neutral. America will stand unapologetically with the nation of Israel. And you know, anyone who can't tell the difference between our friends and our enemies, anyone who can't tell the difference between Israel and Islamic terrorists who want to kill us. That raises real questions about their fitness and judgment to be commander-in-chief. For the last seven years, we've seen our military weakened. We've seen readiness undermined. We've seen morale of the troops plummeting. And you know, as a country, we've seen this before. We've seen another left-wing Democratic president weaken and undermine the military, Jimmy Carter. And in January of 1981, Ronald Reagan came into office. And what did Reagan do? Reagan cut taxes, he lifted regulations, the economy took off millions and millions of new high-paying jobs. It generated trillions in new revenue for the government, and he used that revenue to rebuild the military, to bankrupt the Soviet Union, and to win the Cold War. I intend to do the exact same thing with radical Islamic terrorism. We're going to repeal Obamacare, pass a flat tax, pull back the regulators, stop amnesty, and it's going to generate millions and millions of new high-paying jobs. Wages rising all across America. That's going to generate trillions in new government revenue, and we will use that revenue to rebuild our military so it remains the mightiest fighting force on the face of the planet. No longer will our military be governed by political correctness. We will have a commander in chief who stands up and says to the world, we will defeat radical Islamic terrorism. We'll have a president willing to utter the words, radical Islamic terrorism. And you know, one of the saddest things we've seen over the last seven years has been this president sending our fighting men and women into combat with rules of engagement so strict that their arms are tied behind their backs. they They cannot fight. They cannot defeat the enemy. They cannot win. It is. It is wrong. It is immoral. And mark my words, in January 2017, it will end yeah. America has always been reluctant to use military force. We are slow to anger. But if and when force is required, we should use overwhelming force, kill the enemy and then get the heck out. Yeah. So let's talk a little politics. (laughs) It's been an interesting journey. I'll say this for this election cycle, it ain't boring. (laughs) A year ago, we started out with 17 Republican candidates. An amazingly talented, young, dynamic, diverse field. What a contrast with the Democrats. I mean, the Democratic field consists of a wild-eyed socialist with ideas that are dangerous for America and the world and Bernie Sanders. But over the course of the year, the primary did what a primary is supposed to do, it narrowed the field. As we stand here today, there are two and only two candidates who have any plausible path to winning the nomination, me and Donald Trump. <laughs> now, what we are seeing in Wisconsin and across the country is we are seeing the 65-70% to 70 percent of Republicans who recognize that nominating Donald Trump would be a disaster. That nominating Trump elects Hillary. Hillary beats Donald by double digits. And if Hillary Clinton is the next president, it is a catastrophe for this country. If Hillary is elected, we lose the Supreme Court for a generation. If Hillary is elected, the Bill of Rights is in jeopardy. If Hillary is elected, our kids are buried in trillions more in debt and stuck in the same economic stagnation we've seen the last seven years. And for that reason, the 65 to 70 percent of Republicans who recognize that electing Donald, nominating Donald, is a gift-wrapped present to Hillary Clinton and the Democrats, those Republicans are unifying behind our campaign. Of the 17 candidates who started, five of them now have endorsed our campaign. We've got Rick Perry and Lindsey Graham and Jeb Bush and Carly Fiorina. And Wisconsin's own Governor Scott Walker. Now, when you throw Mike Lee and Mark Levin into that mix, you have got the full spectrum of the Republican Party, the full ideological range all coming together and standing united, saying we need to stand behind a positive, optimistic, substantive, ideas-based, conservative agenda to bring jobs back to America. You know, a week ago, Fox News came out with a new national poll. Showed Donald, as all the other ones had, losing to Hillary by double digits. But also showed me beating Hillary Clinton 47 to 44. But even more interesting within that poll, If you look at young people, last two elections, Barack Obama won young people 70-30. Last week's poll shows me beating Hillary Clinton with young people by 14 points. Let me say right now, if the Democrats are losing young people by double digits. For Hillary Clinton, that's all she wrote. Tuesday, the entire country is looking to the state of Wisconsin. Wisconsin has a national platform, a national megaphone. And the results of this election on Tuesday are gonna reverberate in states all across the country. Excellent advice. So I wanna ask every one of you to come out on Tuesday and vote for me 10 times. Now look, we're not Democrats. I'm not suggesting voter fraud. But if everyone here picks up the phone and gets nine other people to vote on Tuesday, you will have voted 10 times. That's how we win. You pick up the phone and you call your brother. You call your mom. It's actually a good idea to call your mom anyway. (laughs) You call your next door neighbor, your college roommate or your business partner. You say, this election matters. It matters for me. It matters for my kids. It matters for my grandkids. If we stand together and unite, we will win this nomination and we will win the general election, we will beat Hillary Clinton, and we will turn this country around. It took Jimmy Carter to give us Ronald Reagan. And I am convinced the most long-lasting legacy of Barack Obama is gonna be a new generation of leaders in the Republican Party who stand and fight for liberty, who stand and fight for the Constitution, and who stand and fight for the Judeo-Christian values that built this great nation. Thank you and God bless you.